You're listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. I love to walk alone at night. Traveling around the U.S., Boston and New Orleans, Lisbon, Barcelona, Uruguay in Montevideo and Buenos Aires, Istanbul and Greece, Lithuania, Nepal and Sri Lanka. Sometimes it's a little scary, but the worst things that have ever happened to me happened in broad daylight. So <laughs> I'm not any more scared at night than I am during the day. You know, you learn to be on alert and there's only so much you can do. It's a complete privilege. It's a whole other world. For the last several years, writer Caitlin Meyer has been traveling around the world and taking pictures during her walks alone in the cities and villages she passes through. Her walks take place when few others venture out, particularly women. The middle of the night or really early in the morning is probably my favorite time. Like after the bars close, a while after the bars closed, so all the drunks have gone home. <laughs> so like three or four, that's that sweet spot, that quietest point of the night. Not many people are up and about at that time, so it feels private. And the people that you do see, it feels like there's almost an intimacy even if, you know, a lot of the people that I would run into were maybe struggling with their own demons. Um, there was a recognition that we're both out at a time when most people aren't. And I kind of relate to the people who are out at night. A lot of the homeless here are mentally ill and my mom was bipolar, and I see a lot of homeless people, and I think, yeah, that's mom without us. And these are people I know. This is my family. <laughs> Possibly me. Caitlin's first taste of solo night walking came early, kind of by accident. I don't know if I can name when I first started doing it, but I can remember being nine years old and I grew up in Provo, Utah, in kind of the center of Mormon land. My dad was an art professor at Brigham Young University and he directed a study abroad in Paris for a semester. And I was the, the youngest of a mob of kids, so it's hard to keep track of six kids. <laughs> and my mom wasn't particularly well, and my dad's a little absent-minded. And it was, this was the 70s. There wasn't the term free-range kids, but that's what kids were. I had my own Metro card, and I could go anywhere I wanted in Paris. And I stayed over at the student's boarding house late one night, and I took the Metro home by myself at 11 at night. 
I walked home through the streets of Paris. And I was a little nervous, I was a little scared, but I did it and nothing bad happened. So that's probably the first time I can remember. Many years passed after those first explorations into the dark streets of Paris. Coming from a large Mormon family, Caitlin imagined herself with her own brood of kids. She landed in San Francisco, got married, and made a home. But as happens sometimes, life veered off from the path she envisioned. Her dream of a family crumbled dramatically, and an inner darkness began to overtake Caitlin's dreams for the future. This is when Caitlin began to see walking through the night as a way to find peace. When I first started to really claim it was I'd left this lovely marriage with our two-bedroom flat in the inner sunset and our garage, and I had moved into a tiny, tiny studio apartment in San Francisco with my boyfriend. We were very closed in together, and I started walking around that neighborhood either late at night or I'd get up really early in the morning before it was light and go for a run. I loved feeling like the city was mine. Since I left my husband and then I had a boyfriend and I broke up with him, I've been living on my own and being a nomad, gave up my apartment, put my things in storage and started wandering. I'm always traveling around the world. Um, I mean, I'll be in, in a particular place for two to three months. Walking alone at night, it's become this great anchoring thing for me. Where others might feel frightened or lost, Caitlin found herself moored by the act of walking alone at night. I'm, I'm terrified of inner darkness, <laughs> of um, getting pulled, pulled under by my own psyche. It's something that I've noticed with all of my siblings. We've all been terrified of finding ourselves living what mom had to live through. She was a brilliant and ridiculously charismatic and loving woman. But she was deeply depressed for so long and really crippled. And uh, most of us have denied that we have any depression. And the interesting thing is, the one thing we all do in common is we seek out motion. We all have to get outside and we all have to be in motion. I'm the one that goes out at night, <laughs> but standing in one place is, is where the fear is for all of us, I think, of getting sucked under. A couple of years into her nomadic life, Caitlin got rid of everything in her storage locker and was staying in a sublet in Berkeley, California. The internal darkness began to loom closer and more ominously than it had before. The threat of getting pulled under was growing stronger. I was dealing with a lot of emotional uproar at the time. Um, some of it romantic, some of it to do with spending a lot of time by yourself brings a lot of shit up. 
And a few months before then, I had been assaulted. I'd been sexually assaulted in an Oakland sublet the last time I was in the Bay Area. So I had all of these these things bubbling up inside of me, and I wanted so much to close down and hide in my bed and just drink wine and watch Netflix. That's really what I wanted to do. But I associate staying inside a lot with my mom. She spent a lot of time deeply depressed and bolted to her bed. I knew that the only way out was to go outside and start walking. And, you know, these things would start to overwhelm me often at night because if you're a single person, you find yourself alone at night and you find yourself alone with your thoughts. So it was just a way to keep myself from circling the drain. I had to get out and walk. Walking at night became a form of meditation for Caitlin, and she started taking pictures during these walks as a way to deepen her focus. When you don't have all the distraction of all the crowds and cafes and stores and gas stations open and operating and tempting you to do things or to be goal-oriented, you have to become very quiet and you have to notice little things. And that saved me. Focusing on the way a shadow, the shadow of a tree looked on a white van, the street light, the moon. I was never very good at formal meditation, but this kind of, it's definitely a meditation for me. And I started taking pictures as a way to focus on these things. Discovering this astonishing beauty everywhere, in the boxes of foil in a shop window that's closed, but they've lit the boxes of foil so beautifully. (laughs) You know, it'll take maybe 20 minutes of walking before I get a shift in the sense of proportion. In your home, you can begin to think that you're the center of the universe, but out on the street, it doesn't really have that much to do with you. And not, not in a cold way. You are as essential to the universe as that street light or the box of foil in the store window. So it restores my sense of my place in the world. So I started taking pictures and then I would just post them on Facebook and say night walk. I remember one woman, the first woman who said, I love your night walk photos. And I thought, yeah, I guess I'm taking some night walk photos. <laughs> what, did, what do you love about them? I'm just taking pictures of through people's windows. And, and then I started to hear from women that they loved that that they loved seeing a woman 
claiming the night, which I hadn't thought I was doing. I hadn't realized that's what I was doing. <laughs> When I'm hearing other women tell me that, I realize that we're told that we shouldn't go out at night. We're all raised to believe that the night doesn't belong to us. That if anything bad happens to you when you go out at night, well, you kind of brought it on yourself. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that. At Brigham Young University, there are these gorgeous little paths through the botanical gardens. Nobody calls them the garden paths. They call them the rape paths. The implication is, if you go there at night, well, bad things will probably happen. I was raped when I was 16 by a friend of a friend in the middle of the day. It wasn't the stranger at night. And um, sure, I, I absorbed everything about how I shouldn't have dressed that way. I shouldn't have gone to the party. Shouldn't have trusted. I absolutely absorbed all of that. But the one thing I didn't absorb was that it's dangerous to be out at night. Simply because, well, the worst had happened. Except for being killed. The worst had happened. So it didn't seem all that scarier to me. I mean, I was afraid of monsters. There's that perception that it's supposed to be really dangerous at night. But it doesn't feel that way to me. If I can be part of claiming that space for all of us, yeah, I want to do that, and I want to do that intentionally. Caitlin has claimed the night and the meditation of walking the dark, quiet path, just as she's claimed the act of moving constantly throughout the world. The motion that began as a flight from broken dreams and inner darkness has transformed into the forward momentum of creating a completely new life. Some might call walking alone at night foolish, and some might see it as fearless. For others, it might just be necessary. Ultimately, only the person walking through their own life can truly say. Strangers I meet, or people I become friends with, they'll say something like, it's really brave for you to do this. <laughs> it doesn't feel brave. But great! <laughs> oh, yes, yes, it's brave. <laughs> You've been listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. Nocturne is produced by me and was created by myself and Kent Spartling, who also composed the theme music and most of the other music for this episode. Additional music by David Hughes and Jeffrey Foster. You can find links to Caitlin Meyer's writing and the photographs of her night walks at nocturnepodcast.org. You can also email us there. Nocturne is coming up on its one-year anniversary pretty soon. And as I look back on the last year, it's been more fun than I could have imagined. There are amazing, beautiful stories in the pipeline that I'm excited to bring to you. And I could really use your help. Producing this show takes a lot of time and work. 
And if you feel moved to support Nocturne, it would feel even that much more worthwhile. If you go to nocturnepodcast.org, there's a little button at the top labeled Donate, which will take you to a link to Nocturne's Patreon page. Patreon is a website where you can directly support independent podcasters, musicians, filmmakers, and other artists. While Nocturne will continue to be free, you can go to Patreon and basically become a subscriber. You can donate monthly at any amount, $1 a month, $5, whatever feels right to you. And it would mean so much to me. Nocturne is a proud member of The Herd, that's H-E-A-R-D, an independent collective of sound-rich storytelling podcasts from all over North America. All of the shows have their own distinct feel and style, including Neighbors by Jacob Lewis. Neighbors tell stories of ordinary people that connect us to ourselves and others. We're just going to do a small demonstration because I ain't going to waste my coffee. All right, because the coffee's hard to come by. So Bobby starts to show us how to make coffee in a sock. First, you have to build a fire. Which we've done. You get a pot. We've got some pots over there. Fill it with water. Bowl it. And then the sock. These are thick socks, so these will be good. I hate wasting socks. Find out more about Neighbors and the other shows from The Herd at theherdradio.com. Thanks for listening.